Hey everyone, Anne here. A quick note before we get started and a content warning for a discussion of racial violence and genocide. My co-host Stephanie and I recorded this first episode of Lapsed back on June 5th, 2021. At the time, a really horrifying news story had recently broken about the discovery of the remains of 215 children at the site of a former Catholic-run residential school for indigenous children in British Columbia. Now, at the time of this recording on July 5th, 2021, Similar unmarked graves have been discovered at other former Catholic-run residential schools, bringing the current total to over 1,300, and we know there are likely more to be counted across Canada and the U.S. The history of these atrocities and others like them, ones that are no doubt unsurprising to Indigenous folks across Canada and the U.S., is finally starting to be discussed more widely. And we know this is just the tip of the iceberg. Many of us, including the hosts of this podcast, are learning more about brutal histories of which we had previously had the privilege of being largely ignorant. During this first episode, while we do mention the ugly history of residential schools, the mention is brief. If we were recording the episode today, we would spend more time talking about these current important conversations around the history of residential schools and the Catholic Church's lack of response or accountability. We've decided to go ahead and put out the episode as is because we still think it's a good introduction to what the podcast is about. But we also wanted to call out what we imagine will feel at this point like an odd omission. We'd also like to invite our listeners to join us in putting some dollars into our virtual collection basket by donating to the International Indigenous Youth Council, a nonprofit organization that, quote, seeks to organize youth through education, spiritual practices, and civic engagement to create positive change in their communities, end quote. You can learn more about IIYC and make a donation at indigenousyouth.org. You can also find a link in our show notes. Thank you for joining us on this journey. And now our first episode. It'd be like drinking holy water. Can you imagine? No, (laughs) no, there's nothing different about it. Not for a million dollars. Okay, this is happening. We're doing this. (laughs) We're doing this. (laughs) Let's do our intro. Okay. I'm Anne McNamee Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. This is a yet to be named podcast about growing up Catholic and everything that that comes with. (laughs) Should we talk about who we are? Yeah. And how did we meet? We met in the world of making theater Mm -hmm. with and for and about and by young people. Mm -hmm. In the middle of Chicago. In Chicago, yes. But we're here to talk about something totally different. (laughs) A lot of our theater work was based in storytelling, and we had a lot of storytelling prompts. I don't know. You must remember the first time we learned we were both raised Catholic, but I don't remember that moment. The time I remember it coming up is we were at a camp in Wisconsin and 
I had handpicked you and another teaching artist to come with me because if I needed to go to Wisconsin without my family, I thought, let me bring people so this will actually be fun. <laughs> um, and so I can like hang out with people on our downtime. And yeah, we, it somehow came up that we were both raised Catholic. And I feel like we just immediately started swapping like raised Catholic stories. Yeah, because there's a yeah. lot of them. And- Yes. And it is. I don't know if you feel this way. I feel like like I think this is the stuff we'll dive into. Like on the one hand, I am not a practicing Catholic. Nor am I. Um, yeah. There we go. <laughs> if you were listening to this to listen to two practicing Catholics, maybe move on. Not the podcast um, for you. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, I was raised so deeply culturally Catholic And when I meet other Catholics, whether they were raised Catholic or if I meet like, especially if I'm in a really unusual context, like I I did my um, my thesis work in grad school in this like tiny town in Texas where that felt like completely beyond any. I grew up in in Chicago on the southwest side of Chicago. So that just very like outside my cultural context. And it was this tiny little like Friday night lights type town, like football. (laughs) It was whole other world. But anyway, I met this older woman. Um she ran this little like thrift store and I found out she was Catholic. It went to the one Catholic church in town. And suddenly it was like, Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about. Like I felt like we spoke the same language suddenly, you know? And I was like, okay, I could kind of get this person. Like, even though she lives in this other world from me. Um, And I feel like that's what happened with you and me. It was like, Oh my gosh, wait, you, you speak Catholic. Yes. Yes. It's like finding out you're related or something. You're like, yeah. no way, you also have an Uncle Tom? <laughs> I do have well, an Uncle Tom. There we go. Another layer of coincidence. But it's hard. It's easy to come by Uncle Toms, I think, in the Catholic world. That's true. But yeah, it suddenly gives me a sense of, yeah, belonging, which is strange because I didn't feel like I belonged in the Catholic church. <laughs> but I moved a lot growing up and... So sometimes we moved into places that were heavily Catholic and that was fine. And other times it was like, oh, I'm the only Catholic person at this school. Like when we moved south, that was a very eye-opening experience. But when I meet people, yeah, in my adult life too, I'm like, did this happen to you? Did this happen to you? Um, Oh, you must do this thing. And it makes me feel a little less strange. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I grew up, I mean, we moved, we moved to a new neighborhood and a new parish when I was eight. And that felt like a huge move to me, which we can get into at some point, I'm sure. But at the same time, I mean, I moved 20 minutes away and I, and I was, it all was within this very heavily Catholic world to the point where, I mean, I grew up in a place where when someone asked you where you're from, it meant which Catholic parish you were from. That's nuts. Yeah. They didn't actually mean the name of the parish. There was like a shortened sort of like chummy version of it. Mm-hmm. So like I was from St. Thomas More, which was the parish my dad grew up in. And then I grew up in until I was eight. But it, what like people never said St. Thomas More. You'd say Tommy Moore always. Really? Yeah. So there's like Tommy Moore. Uh, what are some? Of, so I moved. My mom was from St. Tribius. That didn't really have a shortened version. Um, but there's like. I mean, St. Cajetans, I guess, is just Cajetans. I'm trying to think. There's Christ the King, which is most people will say CK. Um, 
so we moved to a parish called Queen of Martyrs, which would just be shortened to Martyrs. My now my husband, um, who did not grow up Catholic, every time I mentioned Queen of Martyrs, he just his response is, I don't know how you all didn't call it Queen of Farters all the time <laughs> as middle schoolers. And I'm like, I don't I think we just heard it so many times it didn't occur to us. Right. And he's like, that's all we would have called it. <laughs> And that's all I'm going to call it now. The queen of the fighters. It's fine with me because <laughs> I'm not a Catholic anymore. Did each of your those churches, like, were they split up by ethnic group as well? Yes. Okay. So we can, I mean, do we want to dive into well, I'm this? I'm just curious our- because I was like, well, that's a lot of churches for a certain area. It's a ton. So they're mostly, I would say they are mostly Irish Catholic. Yeah. Although... My so my dad grew up in what was then a very Irish Catholic uh, parish, Tommy Moore. My mom grew up in St. Tribius, which was Polish Catholic. Mm. So it was actually it was like a cross. It was a cross cultural relationship. <laughs> like my mom was nervous to tell uh, my grandma that she was dating this Irish guy. Like that was a big deal. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and it was like he grew up like 20 minutes away where she, from where she did. Totally different. Different world. Yeah, we can go into all that, I'm sure, in another later podcast. But yeah, I yeah. find that so interesting when like that density. Yeah, and it still sort of is that way. So, okay. So my question, the question I would love to dive into, mm-hmm. and then maybe I would like to hear a little bit of like the narrative of your Catholic childhood, because moving around, that feels so different to me yeah. than, than kind of having been in one place mm-hmm. for the most, more or less in the same area, like my whole childhood till I went to college. My question is like, when someone says, are you Catholic? How do you respond? I always say like, I was raised Catholic and I like Mm -hmm. really emphasize the word raised. Um, And I don't go to church except for the high holidays. Um, And I know like my uncles have like all sorts of weird nicknames for people who only go at Easter and Christmas, but. um, Priesters? Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, but that's who I am now. And when my grandma was alive, I would go more frequently because she, anytime I was in town, she'd like come with me and I would do anything she wanted basically. Um, but I, yeah, it, I'm always like raised Catholic, but I have never like totally said, no, I'm not Catholic. It's interesting, right? I feel like it's a little bit like Catholicism. I just can't quit you. <laughs> like I am not Catholic and there's so many things. I mean, the older I get, the more I just lose patience with um, so many of the things that I think I would give a little grace to. Like, oh, yeah, no gay marriage, but there's people who disagree with that, mm-hmm. right? Or like, oh, women can't be priests, but nuns are doing amazing things. Like, I've just lost patience with that a little bit as I've gotten older. But at the same time, if someone with no connection to Catholicism comes out very strongly, like, I immediately want to defend it. It's like you know? uh, Catholicism's your little brother and you're like, I can beat him up, but like you better back off. No, I'm like, you don't he's get just, it. There are things. He's just, he's misguided, but can't just get rid of him. I just know. there. Yeah. And I think especially because I moved, it was a culture. I could, I was like, this is my culture. And especially in America moving, I'm like, well, there is such a lack of traditions and cultures that 
really immersing myself in the religious ones felt homey. And even <laughs> I, when I first moved to, I think, New York and then Chicago, when I got really homesick, I went to church because it never changed until it did. It's- and this is another episode because now I don't know what's going on. <laughs> But and with your spirit, yeah. But I was like, and also with oh no, I'm the only one saying it. They changed the moves. I know, I know. So now I don't go because because it was the same for so long. I knew I could go for a a taste, I guess, um, or to to reconnect. And now I I super don't feel welcome because of those changes, which I think is funny because I want things to progress, but I was like, also stay exactly the same. You know what? That's so funny. I feel the same way. Last time I was at church was for my grandma's funeral and I sang the mass, which is bizarre because I was like, I don't actually know the parts anymore. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. It is a little bit less of a of a like a homey feeling when you don't. I guess this is how people felt after like Vatican II. Which when I heard about the changes or my dad, because he was like an altar boy, I think when it happened, he was like, it was hard. I was like, oh, get over it. And now I'm like, I, I kind of, I, <laughs> I, get, it. I get it now. I'm like, no, I don't want to. That's so interesting. Well, it's funny you say about going to church, like to feel a sense of home. I've lived in India for short stints three times in my life. Mostly the last time was like a month. The first two times were like six months at a time Mm -hmm. um, to study abroad. And then I went back after college to work with this school I had connected with. And then I went back again. But um, the first time I was there, I went to mass twice and it was like something I wanted to do. Yeah. The first time I went, I went to a English language mass. It was just this moment I had been in this place that felt so different for so long. And I love, I mean, I loved my time there, but it, you know, there was a sense of like, everything's different. It was similar. So my, my host mom, everything had felt so different. One morning, my host mom had found me um, cornflakes and served me cornflakes. And I was so excited. I don't even like cornflakes that much, but I was like, oh, cornflakes. Like the, I didn't know how much I needed it. You know, yeah, I didn't know how much I, know I needed something. Thing. Yes, yes. It was the same thing going to ch- going to church was like cornflakes. Like, oh my gosh, I know this. <laughs> Even the songs, they sang the songs on like a different rhythm, but they were the same. And then the second time I went to church, I accidentally went to the Hindi mass and I speak a I mean at that point I spoke a teeny teeny bit of Hindi like like a two-year-old, you know, I could ask for food and basic things, but not like follow a mess. But I knew what was going on because I knew all the parts. And um, I think, yeah, I had some lady next to me like compliment me like, oh, you did a great job. (laughs) It was very sweet. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. I know exactly what's happened. You know, like I don't, I know the words that are being said right now for the consecration. Like I know, I know what's happening. Right, like the, so. Were the gestures all the same too? Yeah. So there were two basic things that were different. One was that actually during COVID we should probably do this. So instead of the handshake of peace, they did like the namaskar of peace where they like, which is how you greet people in India, yeah, right? Yes. You like put your hands together. So I was like, oh, right. Like I went to shake hands. Like I lost myself for a minute and was like, oh, right. Feel yeah. to do that here. Um, and really maybe we should consider that at this point. Yeah. I'm all all places in the the whole world should maybe not shake hands but um the other thing is that and I've told this story before like so in India people don't this is this was a moment of like oh this is my Americanness coming through even my like college student like I reject it was during the Bush era I was like I reject everything about the U.S. and then I'm in at mass and it's time for communion and everyone just like rushes into the aisle and they don't people don't stand in line there. And there's a, there's a lot of countries where people don't stand in line. 
Um, so people don't stand in line. They all just kind of like rush toward the front. Everyone looks fine. It is stressing me out so much yeah. in the moment. I was like, I don't know when it's my turn. I don't like this. Everyone else is fine. Their faces are serene. They trust that they will have their turn. And I was like, this is this is my American Catholic upbringing here, shining right here. But those are the only really two differences in in mass. Everything else was the same. You're like, I need I need order and I need a little more structure, please. Thank you. <laughs> I need lots of rules. I grew up in American Catholic school and we walked in line everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, I can't wait to dig into that. <laughs> I know. So can I have a little bit of a timeline like of your child of your entire, <laughs> My life. entire life but I I'm curious like about just like a timeline of your childhood and Catholicism you know like does that make sense I, I think so like when did you move like yeah and when did you go to Catholic school versus not and oh yeah so yeah, I think it's important to know my dad's from a very, very large Catholic family. Um, Same. Yeah. He's the How old- many siblings? He's the oldest of 12. <gasps> my dad had had 12 siblings in his family too. Ah! It's Not like- the oldest. He was, I don't even know. He was like the, oh, I'm going to see many of my family members. My dad died when I was young. He died when I was eight, which is probably why I don't have some details about some stuff because yeah. I, you know, but um, I don't, I don't know. It's horrible. I don't know. He's like number five or six. Oh, okay, right in the middle. Twelve is like so the funny. Catholic, the Catholic child number. Is he? All right. Was your dad Irish? Is your dad Irish? We're Eastern European. We're Slovak. Eastern European. Got it. My very good friend is a Slovak Catholic. Oh, okay. Yeah, like that's a whole, oh, whole thing. <laughs> so it's a whole other, a thing. whole other kind of thing. So they all live in Western Pennsylvania, which is where I am now. And so this was our like hub of holidays and this is like where family was but um i started off in the suburbs of chicago um in uh, hanover park north oh i didn't know that until i was four and then we moved outside of detroit and that was those are my first church memories um of starting to go to ccd as still going to public school you will have to, we're going to have to do a whole episode on CCD because I am fascinated as a lifelong Catholic school kid. Oh man. CCD kids were like an enigma. <laughs> I just got my dosage of it on the, on the weekends. It's a whole, oh, it was a whole thing. There were like some good teachers, some bad teachers. It's just crazy who they let teach CCD. It's nuts. Um, oh, I'm sure. Nuts. But yeah, then we moved uh, to Virginia out uh in the north side, Fairfax County, and still CCD kid, uh, still going to public school. Same for when I moved to Georgia, CCD. And that's when I got confirmed eighth grade in Georgia, uh, again, a suburb of Atlanta. And then we moved to Florida. And that's when I started going to Catholic school. So I finished my eighth grade year. Like my parents, who I need to interview about this because I still don't know what happened. We moved like a month before the end of my eighth grade year. Oh my gosh. And their plan was to like indoctrinate me with the kids and stuff before high school because they were sending me to Catholic school for the first time. And they're like, these kids have been going to school since kindergarten together. You're going to need to meet some friends before high school, I think was part of it. 
There could have been like not nothing to do with that at all. And that's just what they told me. But we went, we lived in this like tiny house down the street from the, actually we lived in an apartment for that time. Oh, like a two bedroom apartment with three kids and my parents and dogs. Oh my gosh. But I walked to that Catholic school and that was my first Catholic school experience at the end of eighth grade. And no one, no one would speak to me. Oh my, no. Oh, Stephanie. It was rough. It was real rough. And I did not know like the culture of Catholic school. And also like no one wanted a new girl when they're like doing their like eighth grade class trips. And then I went to Catholic school for all of high school in Florida. Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And was it a, it was a co-ed school? Co-ed school. Okay. Marry a priest in sight. It was very strange. And then, yeah. And then after that experience, uh, I stopped being a Catholic. There you go. I mean, I, that's when it happens often yeah. is around that time of life. Mm-hmm. But then you went you went to a Catholic university. Yeah. Right? First I went to NYU. Um, okay. And there was a really cute chapel off of Washington Square Park that I believe NYU demolished for real estate. But I remember going there for a couple like Easter masses. And then I went to DePaul for my MFA, which I thought was hysterical. And I think my grandma was finally proud of me. She used to say, because she ended up being grandmother to 26 of us. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Makes sense. 12 kids. You, sure. Two kids apiece, basically. And she said she would, like, give money. Or I think it was, like, $1,000. Not that she had that. But she was like, if anyone went to Notre Dame – She's like, if one of you no. just go to Notre Dame, I'm like, none of us, it wouldn't have been that hard. And some of my cousins are still like super like practicing, but no one went to, no one went to Notre Dame. A heartbreak of her life. Oh, poor grandma. I know. How do you identify now? Like spiritually, religiously? Well, it's so funny. So I just got married this past October to, um, I know, very exciting. Uh, He grew up in the same Western PA area that my dad's from. So he, you can't really escape being Catholic here. So he's, he was raised Catholic as well. His mom is still very much practicing. He is not, but I never really thought I would like marry somebody else who like got, I mean, that maybe that's part of it. I was like, you get it. Like all these things we had to do growing up. Yeah. Um, so now we're both lapsed Catholics, I guess. Lapsed. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, so like we'll go to church for the the high holy days and that's about it. So I find a lot of solace in meditation now, um, which is funny because my dad, we got in a big fight one time because he told me when he goes to church, he lets his mind go blank and he just likes because he says the same words every time. It's like chanting and he doesn't have to think and he like finds peace. I go, that's meditating. There's a name for that. And he got so mad at me for saying that. He's like, it's not. It's praying. I'm not meditating. And I was like, wow. Whoa. Uh, that's a whole – Okay. Uh, but I, yeah, so I do, I meditate. I find being in nature, which is sort of the reason I left the cities too. like my garden in the morning, like checking on them mm-hmm. feels like my spiritual practice. Like, oh, getting the weeds out, like tending to my garden is for me, like filling that hole. That's great. Yeah. yeah. How about totally. you? What is your like spiritual life now? Well, okay. Should I, I feel like I should 
I feel oh. like I should give the narrative. Well, yes, you do. You need to give your narrative first. Let me start with the, the timeline if do I that. can. So yeah, I grew up in this part of Chicago that was everyone was Catholic mm-hmm. around me. There's a um, there's several plays that have been written about growing up Catholic. Do you know of them? Like John like, Patrick Shanley ones? Like like cheesy ones. There's oh. like, do, do black patent leather shoes really reflect up? Do you know that no, one? No, mm-hmm. I don't know this. Problematic title. Yes. Um, I saw it at a, at a Catholic boys high school <gasps> with my mom. She thinks it's great. It's about growing up like in the 60s going to Catholic school. With bad little boys looking up skirts? I guess. Right? <gasps> Yeah. All kinds of problematics. I mean, that we should just do a a script analysis of that because there's all kinds. I mean, it's sort of like one of those things where it's like laughing at something, but you're like, but are we really looking at the weight of how problematic this is? No. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd like to look back at that at some point. Why was I talking about that? Uh, Oh, because that play references this idea. He... The main character says something along the lines of, I think it's like autobiographical, whoever wrote it, clearly. And he says something like, where I grew up, you were either Catholic or public. Um, Like there were two religions, Catholic or public. And that's sort of how I felt. Like there was the Catholic school and the public school. I had no idea who those public kids were. And I will say now, like, so my dad was one of 12. My mom was one of four. My dad, a lot of my dad's siblings, none of them became practicing Catholics. And actually my grandmother was a Protestant who married an Irish Catholic and went on to have 12 children. So I don't think she totally knew what she was signing up for, perhaps. Yeah. My grandparents on the other side were both Catholic. And yeah, so a lot of my aunts and uncles did not marry Catholics and married like their spouses were Jewish or Protestant, but I don't feel like I just got much of that I didn't hear much about religion outside of Catholicism. So it was either like Catholic or like, I don't know, other stuff or not Catholic. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, that was the world. That's a very Catholic thing. It's like you're either in or you're out. Right. Yes. And there is this gatekeeping, right? Like, like not being allowed to take communion. I didn't know that was a thing at other churches. You can take communion. So, okay. I'm getting other places. Um, I grew up in this, world on the southwest side of Chicago that still exists that was this strongly Catholic world all my neighbors were Catholic you went to the parish it was like the same as like school district boundaries you went to the parish that you like lived in that was sort of closest to you so my dad was from Tommy Moore and my mom was from St. Terribius my grandmother had been the secretary at the rectory at St. Terribius my mom grew up and became the secretary at the school at St. Terribius Oh, it's like so, goes deep. Yeah. So, I mean, just very embedded. So I, for, I think, just various logistical reasons, I went to a couple years of school at each school because my mom worked at one of those schools. So one was my neighborhood Catholic school and the other was my mom's work. So I went to kindergarten with her. Then I went to Tommy Moore for two years and I went back for third grade. I, I, I returned to my previous school <laughs> where I was very popular because my mom was a secretary and because I was like returning. I had been lost and I came back. They all remembered me from kindergarten. And I used to like visit with my mom sometimes. I was a big deal there, I think, (laughs) in third grade. (laughs) And then we moved to a new parish, which it's funny. You're talking about like, (laughs) you're talking about moving at the very end of eighth grade and feeling like you don't fit in. I felt because like I got there at fourth grade, I did not fit in. Mm. And I honestly, even through all of school, 
I never had I refused to wear the like jackets that said Queen of Martyrs like I decided my identity was outside of this place because you're not one of the farters I was (laughs) exactly (laughs) I think there were other things going on so we moved and my dad died like three days after we moved to the new neighborhood so there was a big weight of that of like I was this and he had a he was a firefighter who died in the line of duty. So it was sort of a high profile death. And it was all cops and firefighters in this new neighborhood. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So it was very I felt like we were I got the sense we were talked about a lot when we moved there. And I think that can just and just growing up in a then being in this house that was sort of a grieving household. So that, I feel like that was part of what was going on. This is another episode. But like the link between this sort of Catholic enclave on the southwest side of Chicago and just really ugly and blatant racism is very real. Mm. And it's looked like a lot of white flight and a lot of, I mean, there are parishes that were, you know, Irish or Polish or Italian that now white people don't live there anymore. So there's like a whole book to be written. Many things have been written right about that, yeah. that what's happening in that way there. And, um, and I think also at that age, I was becoming more aware of that. And I think the racism was a lot more blatant in this new neighborhood mm-hmm. because it was completely not diverse. It was all white people now. I feel like that, that was something I kind of couldn't put my finger on, but I think that was sort of part of this idea of like, these aren't my people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was a lot there. I went to, so then I went to an all girls Catholic high school, which was very, it was like walkable. It was like a less than a mile away. And that was the first time you went to a single gendered Yes, I had not actually not the first time I went to that school because I went to preschool there. They ran a preschool that the students taught. And then so I went to preschool there and then I eventually went to high school there and taught little kids through that program. I know. Yeah, the teachers there like remembered me. It's a weird little world. I'm telling you, it's a weird little Catholic world. So I went to an all girls Catholic high school, Mother Macaulay, the Mighty Max. My son's name is Mac, but that is not why. I was going to (laughs) say No, but you know, that was our, our, yeah, our mascot was a girl dressed in a giant red M. That's it? I don't understand. That's it. The Max. You know what? It's better than like the Cleveland teams and the could Washington team. Could be a lot worse. Could be a lot I mean, worse. The, the boys school next door, Brother Rice, were the Crusaders. I'm like, do you guys, do you guys study history at your school? Yeah, do you know about the, the Crusades? did not go so well. Just not a good look no. for Catholics. We're so, so good at burying things. I'm surprised they put that out there in the open. I know it's still there. It's still their mascot. That's I drive wild. past the. Yeah, so that's the school my brother went to. Yeah, so I went to an all girls Catholic high school. Actually loved it for the most part. Made great friends who I am. I'm friends with people from like my early early childhood, and mm-hmm. then I'm friends also with people from from high school still. I feel like on the one hand, I see now there was like, there was plenty of problematic stuff happening in terms of like how we were taught things in terms of like lack of sex ed or- Oh, that's an episode. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sh- Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, I feel like much of what I learned there and many of the teachers there, like that's where I started learning about social justice mm-hmm. through like Catholic social justice teaching. And so, which has become like- a main focus of my life right so I feel like it's both those things again I think like the fact that I was a straight white girl made things easier for me sure um I think for my classmates who were not straight white girls Mm -hmm. it was less of a pleasant time perhaps yeah 
Um, in fact, I, I know that just from, from hearing from other people and I was clueless clearly. <laughs> yeah. And it was in high school that I, I did like decide I'm, I don't want to be Catholic anymore. Honestly, even by the time I was confirmed in eighth grade, it was like, this is not for me, but I'm going to go through with this kind of a thing. Why did you feel like you had to go through with it? I mean, I went, everyone did it. I had never heard of someone not being confirmed. Like that's what that was our whole year that year was talking about like graduating and being confirmed. That's like, yeah. we had theology, we had religion class every day. So you're like, not going to make a stand, but. No, I remember like talking to God and being like, I'm doing this, but like, it's not really what I want to do. Just to be clear. I'm going to make a sacrament, but I don't. <laughs> but, but you and not... I both know it's not for realsies. But like, I don't, I'd be surprised I imagine there were very few students who felt any sense. Like the irony is I think I actually took that stuff more seriously than we're most really other, thinking about it. Most of the other students were like, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is this sense of like just tradition. And, you know, we don't have a lot of secular sort of there's graduation parties, I guess. You just think about like the milestones through life. There's so much that's missing. Yeah. I decided at that point, you know, I didn't want to be Catholic anymore. I did go to a Catholic university my freshman year um, of college, and I never went to mass, but there was this nun who used to have these like midnight prayer services with all these candles in this tiny room in my dorm, and I would go sometimes, and we would, she would like sing a song and pray, and it was like so lovely. That's nice. There were only a few nuns at our school. There was the Sisters of Mercy who ran my high school, but I was like... I was like, all right, nuns are pretty cool. Like they can, some of them, like right. they can get things done. And and if there's anyone who's like interested in making change in the church, it felt like nuns. It were. felt like it was going to be nuns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I was not really beyond that. I mean, Catholicism, I was just sort of over it. I never, there was, you know, I went to Northwestern and there was a Newman Center and like, I did know some Catholic students, but I was like, that's not what I want to be doing. Right. Uh, I went to India. So clearly I was like, I mean, I've been to the place where the Buddha attained enlightenment, mm-hmm. which is incredible. The irony. And I think the reason I wanted to start this podcast is I actually am fascinated with religion and spirituality. Yeah. And I've, I feel like I've read a lot about a lot of different things. Have you ever read, was it Karen Armstrong? It's like, it's got the symbol. It's like, I don't know. It's like Christianity, uh, uh, Judaism and Islam and it's like all three got it, it's a really cool oh book. no it's I would really, like that I can't remember what it's yeah. called now she's awesome uh yeah so I am like I'm very interested in in religion in general Buddhism and Hinduism were very interesting to me I lived in Varanasi which is this Hindu holy city so I feel like I couldn't help but sort of learn quite a bit while mm-hmm. I was there now as an adult I married a um my husband was raised Protestant in the South at a fairly conservative church. But I feel like I learned from him that Protestants just choose a church and you can like go to a different denomination. You can like check out the Presbyterian church and check out the Methodist church. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, you church shop. Being raised Catholic, that was bonkers to me. Yeah, there's the one and only. I mean, you say it every mass. The one and only religion. (laughs) You vow it. Yes. Oh, I guess. So while I was in grad school, a friend who was, I think, not religious, but um, was actually had been raised Jewish, had met this like Presbyterian minister who was like a super social justice kind of person. And so my roommate and I started going to church sometimes. 
And he was like talking about Jesus stuff I was sort of familiar with, but then making these very, to me, mind blowing kind of connections to like feminism and anti-racism. And I mean, I was just, my mind was blown. I was like, right. this is, this is fascinating. Like, oh, can, can Christianity kind of do this? Up till then, I think I had not really considered that, that mm-hmm. you could be Christian and also like be pro-choice and you know, support LGBT folks. So that was a little bit of a moment. And my roommate and I were weirdly going to church. Like we would wake up on Sundays and be like, do you want, do you want to go to church? Wow. Yeah. And we would go and then we would like go get coffee. It was, it was great. Yeah. So I had that sort of background and that connection to like, oh, this is what progressive Christian churches can look like. We move. So now my husband and I, we live in Oak Park, Oak Park, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. There's a plethora of progressive LGBT affirming Black Lives Matter to God and to us sign kind of uh, churches here. So it was like, well, we should choose one. So yeah, I go to a Methodist church now. But I don't know if I identify as a Methodist. That feels like one step too many That's for me. funny. You're like, I do go to a church, but I cannot – I am not that yet. Yeah. I don't feel like it's the same. I We were out at a party or something, and I was like, what – I like turned to Andy. I was like, what are, what are we? Are we Methodist? Is that what it, I couldn't even remember because, (laughs) but it feels like for non-Catholic churches, probably not. I don't know everything about all um, Protestant or like not other non-Catholic Christian churches, but in general, it feels like other denominations, the church itself has a little more autonomy. Mm. Like there has been a bigger conversation. Actually, the Methodist church split recently or is planning a split um, over gay marriage and gay clergy. Oh, But I was not even aware of that for a long time because our church is super affirming. And they're allowed to be. Yeah. And they're allowed to be. Whereas it's like if a Catholic church is affirming, that's like a huge, that's a bigger deal. It feels like did the Pope say you could say that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) This this thing of like, are you in or you are out, right? Like, oh, you could get kicked out for that. So yeah, I'm raising my kids. I have two kids. I'm raising them in this church. But at the same time, I'm I'm raising them very much in this way of like, this is what some people believe. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they actually know much about Christianity at all. But even my six-year-old. And actually, my six-year-old told me recently he doesn't think Jesus existed out of nowhere. Really? And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Did you like talk about Jesus as like a parable or... I had brought up that the things we learn about that some things in the Bible are true and some things are definitely not. And right. we don't always know. And that um, lots of different people believe different things. I mean, we talk about that. There's different religions and th- and that things happened a really long time ago and people told each other and eventually it was written down. So we don't have like it wasn't like now where you have cameras and you can record things. You know, people were just sort of. And so one day in the car out of nowhere, he was like, you know, there's lots of things we don't know about when Jesus was alive. It was a really long time ago. And I said, yeah, that's true. He said, like, we don't even know if Jesus is real. And I said, yeah, I guess that's true. And he said, I don't think he was. Wow. <laughs> I was like, OK, I mean, I think I was not given much religious autonomy in that way, although um, so I think my dad was actually an atheist or at least agnostic. He never went to church with us. And as we would go to church, he would he would lay on the bed in his boxers and watch the Three Stooges and be like, bye, guys. And my mom would be like, bye. If he was he was a cop for most of my childhood before he became a firefighter. So sometimes he'd be working. Yeah. But if he was not at work, yeah, he would lay in his underwear and watch TV 
And I believe my parents had just had an understanding that like she got to raise us Catholic until we were old enough to like decide for ourselves. Yeah. Actually, um, the one other thing is I actually did um, baptize my older son, Mac, Catholic. Did you? Because I did. We didn't have a church at that time. And that getting back to what I was saying, like, there's not a good kind of like ceremony for infants. Otherwise, there's not like a we don't have like a naming ceremony. There's nothing right. There's yeah, nothing in in our in like secular culture. There isn't anything except except like the baby's born. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to like have everybody over the day the baby's born. Right. And then so no. You don't want to do that. I'm telling you for (laughs) your future. If you're interested, don't do that. Um, So yeah, so we had a baptism and it was a friend of our family who is a priest who was sort of willing to do whatever. And it was at the church I had been baptized at and it was lovely. We, that priest had also married us, but he married us um, in a secular way. We didn't have a church wedding. Did you have a Catholic wedding? No. No, my cousin married us. Okay. Yeah. We had a secular wedding, but it was with a Catholic priest, but we did not do the full mass and it was not at a church. And I asked him if it was allowed and he said, this has come up before. So I just went ahead and got certified with the Universal Life Church. So either way, you're covered. Well, there you have it. What? That's nice of him. It was very nice. And it made my grandma very happy. There Back to Catholic grandmas. Yeah. It made my grandma very happy. There was a priest. I think my in-laws and other family members were happy that it was some kind of clergy person. And uh, when you got Mac baptized, was like, was there any like teeny tiny thoughts in your head that was like, well, because I was told if I don't do this, my child can't get into heaven. I don't think so, to be honest with you. I was just, I wonder if that like, yeah, it's such a, again, whole episode on that because that is insane. But yeah, like I'm just I was wondering if like all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, just for insurance purposes. <laughs> no, I really don't think so. I don't think that was all I that was certainly covered in in our religion classes too, but like I don't feel like that was driven home because it is kind of an ugly thing to say. Like I don't feel like I I was taught in my religion classes, like, yes, babies who aren't baptized are going to hell. I feel like my mom's generation probably was, but I don't feel like it was that explicit. And that's the difference between Catholic school and CCD. Because <laughs> there were some teachers that were like, I'm going to tell you all that stuff. And it, it was super scarring. Which is more intense, right? Because it's like all your classmates who are not here, the people in your world... I mean, I grew up in a place, maybe it was just like taken for granted, like everyone we know is Catholic, so you don't have to worry about it. Oh, yeah. Not the case. I'm like, oh, this is so nerve wracking. Oh, my gosh. No, I don't. That really wasn't in my mind. I just wanted the um, the ceremony of it. It felt like a cultural thing, you know, like we can't. Absolutely. That, I did feel that pull of like, we need to do something. And then um, when my younger son was being baptized, our minister asked she was trying to remember, she said, did we do Max baptism? And I said, oh no, Max Catholic. And she laughed. She thought that was very funny. Max so different. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Mac and I are Catholic. (laughs) But okay. So actually that is a great segue to um, what I wanted to tell you because we've been talking about this idea of, are you Catholic? Turns out, depending on who you talk to, you and I and Mac are Catholic <gasps> because there is no official way to leave the Catholic church Why you've been baptized. So I found this article from April 2020, I believe, from The Guardian. 
How do you become formally not a Catholic? You take the law into your own hands by Sebastian Tesoriero. Um, Yeah, April 2020. And basically he, I believe he's in Australia. He raised Catholic, baptized, communion confirmed, all of that is, you know, takes issue with all the things that many of us take issue with, I think, right? The child sex abuse, the anti-LGBT, the sexism. We've got, I mean, there's been so much stuff in the news about, um, right, like residential schools for Native folks. Um, oh, yeah. All all the ugly history and current stuff. So he tries to leave the church and uh, can't figure out how to do it. Uh, hang on, I'm going to read you a quote. Okay. So he says, how do you become formally not a Catholic? The answer isn't in the help menu of the Vatican's website. In fact, the church, <laughs> the church has moved to close the few openings by which the disaffected could officially register, having renounced the faith. In 2006, the Vatican established rules to accommodate the growing number of defectors, as they call them there. Defe- we're defectors. Maybe. That makes me feel cooler. Uh, Right? Um, Oddly, for such a slow-moving institution, the rules were aborted just three years later. The use of the word aborted here feels really heavy and interesting. Um, Unlike a state with its citizens or a football club with its members, the Vatican would no longer facilitate the initiated leaving its ranks. So basically, he says, I believe he has to, like, reach out to the church that baptized him and say he wants to leave. And he needs to, like, keep calling them several times. And then at some point, they send him in writing something says that says that they are somehow acknowledging his wish to leave. And that's as far as it gets. Is it like annulling your baptism i think that's the, the whole idea right it's crazy too. right right like but an annul right that, the, the but they just thing. were like we won't recognize they won't it seems to be very hard to get the catholic church for as much as they seem to be wanting to like the conservative bishops and things seem to want to be talking about well we're going to excommunicate this yeah. person for we're not going to give biden communion right because he uh, won't outlaw abortion uh, and, you know, talking about excommunicating politicians and that kind of thing. It's actually very hard to leave. And what's interesting is I, this is not like real hard hitting <laughs> journalism here or research, but I just did a quick Google of like how many Catholics are in the U S and the numbers between Pew research and the Catholic bishops, it are very different. So Pew research says there are like because they're counting anyone who says they're Catholic. Yeah. So Pew Research is looking at how many people say they're Catholic, and the bishops are looking at, like, perhaps how many people are Catholic. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's that clear cut, but there are very different numbers depending on wow. who you ask. I want to know what those numbers – that's crazy. Yeah. You know, though, I never thought about, like, that you would – I don't know about formally leaving. I was like – because Catholicism is so punishing – I just assumed if I didn't go to church long enough, I was no longer like I didn't do enough to like ma- make my Catholic dues or something. So I was just because sort of it's a venial off. sin to miss mass on yeah, Sunday so or I, on a holy day of obligation. I just assumed I'd been kicked out by now. Me too. Maybe we need to do something. I'm like, do I need to officiate a gay wedding? What needs to happen oh, to make me excommunicated? Yeah. I mean, and then do I really want to be excommunicated? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, 
I did not receive communion last time I was at mass, but that also I was singing the mass. So it felt like clunky and also COVID was going on. So I, I didn't want to, but like, do I care if, do you, when you go to mass, do you receive communion? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel like it changes depending on my mood. Yeah. Like some I've been like, if I usually only at mass, if it's a wedding or a funeral. Right. And, um, sometimes I'm like, yeah, no, I earned this. I get to be here. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, I don't want your communion. I don't want. Right. What yeah. I think like, I've not gone up a couple times when I was particularly mad at the, Salty. the church, but like for the most part, I was also like these days kind of like, well, I don't really believe in this, so it doesn't hurt me to take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it is interesting because I have come across, like as an adult, it wasn't till I was an adult that I realized that there are non-Catholic Christians who really take offense to not being able to receive communion, which for me was never a big deal because it felt so, like the opposite felt true where I felt like if I was at any place that was not a Catholic church, I was, I became very like, I want to be respectful, right? Like I don't want to do or say or take anything I'm not supposed to. Right. No, I had a non-Catholic friend and like tried to walk up to the front with me when they came to church. And I was like, you better sit down. (laughs) Right. I told at one point I told my husband, like, remember not to take communion at a wedding or something. And he was like, well, no one's going to know. And he was he looked at me. He was like, wait, you care. And I was like, I do care. I do care. I don't know why. (laughs) I once had a roommate tell me that she went and took communion at mass. She wasn't Catholic. And then she didn't know what to do with it. And she put the host in her pocket. (gasps) I was horrified and I had a moment where I was like do I actually believe there's like anything like in my intellectual mind do I actually believe there's anything transformed about the host like no No. like no I don't actually but like in my body that feels horrible the same thing with like it'd be like drinking holy water can you imagine no (laughs) no there's nothing different about it but in my body in my like in my inner being, it, there absolutely is. I can't. Yeah, I, and I get, I've traveled a lot and moved a lot. So I get what, like, I've done, I've worked really hard to make sure I'm, like, honoring the traditions and cultural, like, uh, status quo of wherever I am. Like, okay, I'm going to do things right. If I have to cover my shoulders, if I have to cover my head, whatever it is. Right. Um. So I guess I, I always expect everyone to want to do that. But I do think there's like something about the Catholic Church that invites people from outside of it to really want to kick it in the nuts. Like, I'm going to take your communion because you're being so awful about it. Right. <laughs> and I guess I do get that because if I look at like super fundamentalist churches, I feel that way. I yeah. feel very angry and like I really don't care about – I don't want to hurt people personally, but like, you know, like I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. But right. I, I do feel like if you're oppressive, I don't – I don't care about your little, your little fifis. I don't. (laughs) But I know I, I, there's, I don't know if it's fear that I can't get rid of, that I want everyone to, like the idea of drinking holy water. I'm like, I, not for a million dollars. No. Right? Is it fear? Like, do I, yeah, that's interesting. It's. Yeah, it is interesting. I And then it's the opposite. Like my son was baptized at our Protestant church and my mom came 
to the church and I whispered to her, like, you can get communion. And she looked really, she was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, you can, everyone can, like anybody can, you don't even, anyone. And she was like, what do I do? Cause it's not the host. It's like real bread and you dip it in wine. And it's, I realized like she wasn't going to go. I really had to like encourage, whisper, wow. encourage her in the middle of church because it is that feeling of like, oh no, this isn't my place. I need to just sit back and be right. My grandma, one of my uncles converted to Lutheran and she went to a service. There's actually a few stories about this, so I'll save it. But when she came back, she went to confession and she was like, I went to a Lutheran service. And the priest was like, get out of, get out of the confessional. Like, no, this is not a sin. Like, please stop. <laughs> oh, okay. I was worried that they were no, like very upset. He was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, That's amazing. It. That's she confessed amazing. confessed everything. Oh my gosh. That's a whole episode too. Confession. Oh I have like yeah. taking all these notes as we're talking. I'm like that one, that one. <laughs> so there's so much. Yes. There's plenty to tackle here. I think is what we're, we're learning. Who do we imagine this podcast is for? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about like, okay, what if I came across this? And I think I would listen because I'd be like, yes, that, yes, that. So I kind of feel like it's for other lapsed Catholics. I have a few like practicing Catholics of my age group around me. And I'm wondering if they would feel comfortable even listening to this. I don't know. I had the same thought. I mean, I think for sure lapsed Catholics. And that's why I was interested in this subject yeah. because I think there is this thing of like, right? Like, like you and I had in that moment of, oh my gosh, you too. Right. So right. hearing that to me is always, um, people who maybe who married into Catholicism. That was <laughs> what I helpful. thought someone who, yes. So whether you married a lapsed Catholic or a practicing Catholic, for sure. I think if someone is like a super devout Catholic and doesn't feel comfortable with the church being questioned, like, yeah, not the podcast not for you, but also so many people are like cafeteria Catholics, yes. I think. Cafeteria. Right. And this idea of like picking and choosing, even though, I mean, on the one hand, there's like a, a school of thought of like the Pope says what, what goes. Right. Although some bishops right now disagree with the Pope quite a bit whenever he gets too progressive. Too bad. You got to say, do what he says. Sorry. Those are the rules. But the other, there is then, I mean, I've heard some nuns talk about this and other people who are like, well, the people are the church. Yeah. So if a large group of people believe something and the church has changed right eventually like vatican II, we see that right so there are certainly people who are like lgbt affirming or lgbt themselves who are practicing catholics right, right? which like, i'm like good for you i don't think i right. have that in me i mean there are certainly gay priests and nuns and brothers religious brothers i think well like you already mentioned a few of the major scandals so i think it's like important to say like we're not going to shy away from talking about that but I guess it, it could be questionable to some people like whether or not it deserves our respect, but I feel like we'll talk about everything respectfully, especially because it's so connected with our families. Yes. I think for so long, and my grandmother passed away like recently, mm -hmm. but for so long, she was the one really strong practicing Catholic I knew. And I did feel like it had brought a lot of things to her life. Maybe I'm for sure in my mind, some of them not great, but um, you know, I think she found a lot of comfort and solace and um like routine and structure in the church and yeah. yeah for her and for other people in my family I don't think it's like I don't think it needs to be all thrown out and there are people in the church who are like working to change it from within and that's right. honestly way more ad to me I'm like actually wow good for you like I I had to skip out because Could I wasn't up to that task <laughs> yeah 
So yeah, I think it's for anyone who wants to be like, oh, did anyone else come go through this? Yes. And I would even love, hopefully, we'll get a chance to maybe interview some practicing Catholics, perhaps a priest or nun or two. Um, I think it'd be great. Because, you know, I'm not to say like, I'll go back to the church, but because some major things would have to change before I would do that. But I do still like have a real love for having been raised. Like, I'm really grateful I was raised Catholic. I, to me, I was thinking about like why I wanted to do this podcast. And I came up with the metaphor of like, it's kind of like con Marieing Catholicism <laughs> for myself. Like, let's take out each piece. Let's look at confession. Yeah. What here is useful? What can I take away? What is What piece of this is helpful to me? And what is like not or like super, super toxic and actually like contributes to a lot of my unhealthy issues right like let's let's think it and and put it away right I think there's so many elements of Catholicism that I could do that with and most of us don't get a chance to to do that unless we spend like all of therapy talking about growing up Catholic could happen (laughs) probably happens for lots of people yes so yeah that's what I imagine I also do want to point out that we are to straight white women yeah with with curly hair very curly <laughs> we're like oddly similar I know yeah we were supposed to have a third host who was gonna offer a slightly different perspective um male queer but I'm sure we'll have it's those a voices big commitment. on yeah it is yes and I think that's what's exciting is we can have guests on. I'm very, I'm very excited to get other right. perspectives. What's funny is thinking about like podcasting for a while, and there are so many podcasts with two female hosts, but I feel like almost all of them are about murder <laughs> or self care. Yes, yes, which is wonderful. <laughs> and both of those self-care. things are in the Catholic Church. <laughs> so true. <laughs> They've got it we'll all. Touch it. We'll touch on it. Um, so yeah. So yeah, we're aware, but I think this will be, uh, yeah, I, it's something I think about so much. So I'm actually really glad you invited me to this and thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited too. I think, yeah, it is. It's the lens. I think you said this and this is language I've used. Like it's the lens through which I view the world mm-hmm. and I can't write this Catholic upbringing. And so I think in all of, any situation like that, it's worth examining that and just recognizing that 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 is coloring how you view things. Oh yeah, um, in in both good and bad ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if we'll keep this part, but I did want to talk about what we're going to call the podcast. Oh yeah. So one thing that you said that I had considered was lapsed. Ooh, yeah, I like that. I don't hear lapsed used for any other religion. Have you? Or any other anything? Lapsed what else? Lapsed, a lapsed Jewish person. No, so like for my friends who are Jewish who don't practice, they're always like, I'm just a non-practicing Jew. Yeah, right. But if I say I'm a non-practicing Catholic, people are like, okay, you're appropriating that term. It's like, that's true. Uh, I don't hear lapsed, lapsed for anyone Muslim, else. Lapsed lapsed Hindu, no. Lapsed, and is there anything else? Like I'm a lapsed runner but I, I like don't... it too because lapsed doesn't mean like erased I don't no. know right what like... is the definition of lapsed well there you know? we go I mean there's a okay hang on I like a one word title me too I had one other well I had a couple lapsed the when I google lapsed it says lapsed and then the next thing that comes up is lapsed catholic so I 
no longer valid, expired. Oh, like a lapsed insurance policy. No longer following the rules and practices of a religion or doctrine, non-practicing. 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 A lapsed Catholic. The other one that I was thinking of was special dispensations. Ooh. Do you know what special dispensation is? Is that like exceptions? Like if there's a big holiday or event or big party that falls on a Friday in Lent and so you want to eat meat, you can get special dispensation from a priest so that you can eat it. Or if there's something going on on a Sunday and it's a really big deal and you cannot get to Mass, you could get special dispensation. Priests have these magical kind of powers that they can make a little sign of the cross and and give you my dad has used that all the time because he's friends with the priest that's what you gotta do you gotta be friends with the priest okay that get the dispensations my father's rules is a whole episode dispensations i like i wonder if enough people will know what it is yeah it's very niche yeah i mean which might be what we're going for it's true lapsed is i like i feel like people are like you're a catholic except it's a weird word to say but it's (laughs) it's that we need this pop filter (laughs) we're gonna need this pop filter every time we say every time it's fine we both have pop filters yay we're Um, so mesh. all right i like it okay yay so do we have a sign off yet we don't have a sign we don't have a sign off i was trying to think of things we should Uh, see about you know all those social media handles lapsed podcast yeah, we need to look into it. Yeah, make sure it's perfect. not. I think I did a quick search of that. Right. It was on my short list. And then as soon as we get all those things up, we'll be wanting to hear from people about their like growing up Catholic stories. Yes. I want to know, let's see, if people are listening. <laughs> a. Uh, I, yeah, I'd love to know stories people have or things they'd like us to cover. I know we have a huge list. Huge. We've We've... We've hit on some of them today, but there are certainly things we haven't thought of. So yeah, would love to hear what do other folks want want to hear about, want to talk about, uh, about yeah. growing up Catholic. Yes, please. Right. Well, um, thank you to any listeners. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Um, maybe if people have friends who they, or like, if they have a partner and they feel like you don't understand my Catholic upbringing, we can help with that. There we go. Yeah. Hopefully. Maybe. We'll have a whole, yeah. To, this is how you, like, this is the first steps to, like, becoming Catholic. Culturally. Culturally. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, how, if you actually want to become Catholic, this might not be. No. <laughs> might not be the pod not for the you. the official way. No. All right. All right. Great. Come up with our outro. We'll come up with our outro. And also with you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Can we say that? I think they don't use it anymore. They right? don't, but we do. There we go. What if, should we say peace be with you? Or is it like something else be with you? You know what I mean? Like if one of us wished, like if I was like, Stephanie, I'm trying to think. Now I can't think of an example. Those okay. Improv skills. First word that comes to your head. <laughs> Stephanie. Um, <laughs> A hot cup of coffee be with you. And also with you. All right. Are we done? We're we're done here. And also with you. With you.